So I want you to know, Devin, that I, I often wear this, uh, I'm very pro-Israel, as you know, and, and I, I wear now a t-shirt that, it's a long sleeves t-shirt with a big Israeli flag on it. Just huge, it's very noticeable. It's not like a small little lapel. And, and I will wear it uh, with, let's say, a dress shirt over it sometimes when I wanna be a little bit more formal. Um, sometimes when I appear on Newsmax, I, I will open up my shirt and I, or I'll just wear the shirt with a sport jacket over it. Nice. So, yeah. so it's big honking Israeli flag right there. And then I, like just the other day I was skate, you know, skating, skateboarding, I believe it or not, I skateboard yeah. and I rollerblade and I bike. Yes. Yeah, 60 year old man skateboarding, but it's cool. It's, I really do like it anyway. Uh, so I'm wearing this shirt and I can't tell you the number of times that people say thumbs up and that's awesome. I like your shirt. Uh, very few people. In fact, I don't know of anybody saying you suck, you know, F Israel or anything else like that. It's a lot of the, the concerns that people have. And this is not just about Israel, by the way. It's about your faith in God. It's about your Christianity, your Judaism, uh, your love of America, putting out an American flag, for example. People worry that they will be targeted, right? I, I had an American flag outside of my home in West L.A., right in the middle of the riots. How do you like that? <laughs> that was effing brave, now that I think about it, yeah. in hindsight. And we're not taking this down, I said. Yeah. We're not taking it down. My, my wife, thankfully, didn't push me, uh, but I, we just didn't take it. And we, I saw a bunch of marauders, rioters, and they were going up and down my street and they were taking pictures of my house. And I thought, okay. Uh, but I just still didn't take it down. And they never came back. I'm very proud of that. I did not give in to the fear. And the same thing with my Israeli t-shirt. You, you've got to be proud. You've got you to wear, literally wear it on your sleeve these days. If you are a Christian, speak about it. Talk about it. Talk about your faith. It's okay. Never be embarrassed about it. Um, and, and say, look, I'm sorry, but that does not fit with my Christian principles, my love of God. Um, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. And I, I, I will tell you that everyone will truly respect you. We had a client a long time ago. I won't name his name. Uh, we'll call him uh, Peter. And Peter was so, uh, his identity was so wrapped up in his Christianity. And he was so confident about who he was and where his faith was and how Jesus was in his life, in everything he did, of course, with God, of course. And I so admired him. And I, I never forgot it. And I thought, I, I, I need to be more like Pete. And I was always proud of being, you know, a, a Jew, of being an Israeli, of being an American, lover of God, all the things that you and I treasure. But, but and, I, and I would speak my mind. I was never shy about it. But he took it to an extra level. It was, it was awesome. Anyway, speak your mind, be who you are, love America, love God, wear it on your sleeve. People need to see that you are one of the proud ones. If you, if you hide it and you only talk about how great Israel is or great America is in like-minded company in this or that conference room during some sort of banquet, you're not doing anything. You, you got to be out there on the street doing it. And if somebody jeers at you, so what the F? Yeah. What the F? Uh, who cares? 
right? So he'll jeer at you. The chances of him actually lunging at you and such like that, I think they'll be, they'll be actually terrified. I think part of the reason people, people don't attack me, don't even say anything, they know that I'm so, I'm so bold in my love of Israel and Judaism and, uh, and God that they know that they'll get some real big pushback. Yeah. It's, it's the ones who are afraid that they will attack. Yeah. How about that? And that's exactly like attack people, people who attack people do. They're predators. Predators don't go for the strongest part of the, um, the group. They go for the weak. Mm-hmm. They go for the fearful. Mm-hmm. And with the American flag, which I think is genius in front of your house, I've heard from several different sources that when a criminal goes to look for a place to go, when they see an American flag, they think, this person has a gun. That's right. <laughs> it's the safest thing to do. If you don't, if you have Black Lives Matter, you probably don't have a gun. You're probably going to be an easy victim. That's right. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah, I mean, look, especially if you have a spouse who is not keen on guns. Sometimes say, you know, the man wants a gun or the woman wants a gun and the other one doesn't. Is you know, horribly against the idea of having a gun. Okay, well, you can put a flag there and make people think you have a gun. That's, there's nothing wrong with it. And you're, you're, you're screaming it loud and proud. So I, I think it's a very healthy thing to do. And, and you only have one life to live, my friends. You, you, you've got to be who you are. And look, look how proud I am that I've had my, my flag outside of my house. And I had it the entire time I was there for years. And it was a big honking one. It wasn't something that, you know, you stick into the ground for a couple of times like July 4th. No, no, it was a big honking flag sticking right out of the side of my house. And I loved it. So it's, uh, it's great. Just do that and, and you will never regret it. Uh, so there's big news to talk about. Um, just now as we speak, before we started this, Trump has been disqualified from the Illinois primary ballot now. That is weird, right? I mean, it's the same thing that, that Colorado did uh, and Maine did. And, uh, you know, were they not watching the hearings in the Supreme Court where they made it very clear that we're going to overrule this? Yeah. And you have no basis to do this. This is against democracy. The only question will be whether it's eight to one or nine to zero. Right. That's, that's the only question. Sotomayor. Right? Sotomayor maybe will go against the majority there, just for kicks. But it's, it's a massive majority. I, I think it might be nine zero. She might have to reluctantly agree. Uh, as much as she has contempt for, for, uh, for Trump, I mean, she, she has to realize, well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. What happens when, you know, some judge decides that uh, the Democrat candidate, whoever it might be, uh, is, uh, is a criminal uh, and trying to overthrow the country. Okay, you're off the ballot. Yeah. Right, right. She, she, she can't be that short-sighted to not see the long-term consequences of it. It's, this doesn't require a lot of information. A lot of foresight. So uh, anyway, here we are. Here we go again. Uh, so, so what does this mean? It, it can only mean one thing. They, they know that it's unconstitutional. And they're, they're going to do it anyway because they figure it's still going to be turned around. Uh, it, it'll take time for it to be turned around. It'll create yet another obstacle for Trump, so they think. Um, you know, it's, it's like, you know, from, from their point of view, it's running away from the monster and, you know, like you see in all these movies and what, what do they do? They throw chairs in the way, you know, <laughs> it slows down the monster, maybe a couple of seconds, but that's what they think they're doing. 
Right. What do you right? I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, I think um, in a couple of minutes we're going to see Nikki Haley's victory speech for <laughs> Illinois primary, and I think this is just it. Who's the insurrectionist? They call always one of my biggest pet peeves is when they call Democrats democratic. Mm-hmm. It's not the Democratic Party; it's a Democrat party, mm-hmm. and they're not being democratic if they're making people not allowed to vote for who they want. And they say, oh, he's an insurrectionist. Well, according to the Senate impeachment, he's not. According to what other decision, other than MSNBC and the people doing this. Is that the lowest standard that one guy gets an idea and a bribe and suddenly he's an insurrectionist? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, the the Supreme Court called it out right, which is uh, during the hearings, it it gives so much power to one Secretary of State, uh, he or she decides, eh, you know, I think it's an insurrectionist. That's it. Or one judge, for that matter. And that's all you need. Take him off the ballot. Right. And so but but, you know, obviously, this is a window dressing because let's say somehow the Illinois ballot uh, situation, he's off the ballot and he won't be able to get the delegates that he would otherwise get during the Republican primary. It might be that they can't He's officially off when the Illinois primary happens. Is that Super Tuesday? Uh, I don't know if it's Super Tuesday, but maybe you can check on that. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. I mean, the, the, the point is that uh, they'll say, okay, we, we, we prevented him from getting these extra delegates, as if the delegates from Illinois will be enough to, to stop the, uh, the, the, impeachment, the, um, uh, the nomination. It's, it's, it's very silly, but nevertheless, they all, they're all true believers. They feel like they're doing what they, what they can. You know, they, no doubt they feel like like uh, somehow these these protesters who go down, uh, you know, while still praying, uh, and then they get shot. You know, they're martyrs, if you will, still pursuing their their belief in God, one way or the other. And I do believe you should profess your belief in God. But this is what they think about themselves. They think they're doing something so glorious by fighting against the fascist. Donald J. Trump, right? <laughs> the anti-Semitic. <laughs> the, yes, exactly right. He's uh, he's he's a very unique uh, anti-Semite. This guy because he he loves Israel. I mean, you know, if he's an anti-Semite, somebody ought to tell him that he's really going about this all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I got to tell you, he's doing a really lousy job of being an anti-Semite. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, anyway, it's very silly. We, we, can, we can go on about this all day. But Illinois, uh, you know, we, we know what you're thinking. We know what you're trying to do. You, you really do hope that it'll be just enough time to not have it reversed and thereby, you know, rob him of some more delegates. And then you can say, okay, nothing happened here. You know, you, you can't do it. What, what, a, what a silly thing. Okay, so there's more on this. Uh, some very bizarre things, and I want to talk about I don't know if you saw this uh, Twitter feed from uh, Joy Reid. No. What a, uh, it is so bizarre the, what she writes here, uh, what she says. And she's talking about how it, there's this decision from, I think, Alabama about the, uh, these embryos, right? Yeah. And they're considered basically life. Yeah. Uh, and the, she doesn't like it. She just doesn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but watch how, I mean, she takes this to an extreme that, makes no sense at all, but here we go. States has a population of north of 327 million people. Why do we need more kids? Why does the state of Alabama need more kids? More kids for what? Okay, so this is just to stop her for, for a second. This is the anti-kid, uh, uh, anti-growth 
uh, concept, right? This is, and, and they, they can't understand why people want to have kids. They, they, they don't get it. So this is all kind of morphing together. This, this, she, her hatred of uh, Alabama and hate, her hatred of uh, the pro-life movement. And in addition, she can't understand why people are so pushing for life. I don't, I don't get it. We should be able to kill babies because, you know, why, why should there be babies? Yeah. Here we go. There was a time when the state of Alabama absolutely needed more kids because, you know, Alabama was a slave state. And the- Whoa, Zinger, <laughs> right? Because they needed more slaves, you know? So, oh, yes, yes, yeah. so that's what she's intimating. So they needed more black babies. Right, exactly right. That's what Mandate of the planter class in Alabama was for black women to produce more kids because those kids were property. And they could work more kids and make more money on their plantations. Zinger, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, very strange. And, and she goes on about how, uh, what they're really talking about here. They, why is it they want more white babies? White babies, you know, like that, that's what she's talking about. Because now they can only want more, more white babies because they're afraid of, the, the white people are afraid of uh, the growth of the black population, the brown population. And that's what's really going on here. Yeah. Said, said no white person at all, <laughs> right? I, I, it's funny, just today I had an Uber driver and, uh, who's black, and we were talking about children, and soon we found out that we have similarities in belief. And, and uh, he was talking about having kids and should he have more. And I said to him, yes, have as many as you can. Yeah. Good people should have a lot of kids. You know me. You know I speak. Yeah. You think I gave a crap about his skin color? No. What I did give a crap about is that he believed in God. That was awesome, yeah. right? And he's an American and he loves America. Yeah, let's pop him out, man. <laughs> or have your wife pop him out. <laughs> One way or the other, let's get a lot of babies. I don't care what his skin color is. You know, it was such a lie. It just, it's, it's so contemptuous, and, and the assumptions that she runs with is, is obscene. Yeah, and you ask, like, a conservative versus a liberal, which one's going to actually know most of the vast majority of the Planned Parenthoods are deep in the black neighborhoods? It's going to be the conservative. Who's going to be one fighting against that, knowing that? Right. The conservative. The liberal is going to want more baby, And she doesn't say who wants... Like, she's like, who needs more people? Like, is she going to attack pregnant women? Is she trying to, or they are kind of trying to make it so certain kids can't have children. But it's like, it's so satanic. It's so evil. Satanic is the right thing. I mean, look, we all know that the vast majority, there's that phrase that they love to use, but it's true. The vast majority of abortions uh, were of black babies. And if you want more black babies, then you should be pro-life. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's quite simple. And then you say, well, we... So, so they're caught between the Scylla and the Charybdis where they have to do this delicate dance. Uh, on the one hand, they want to, you know, support uh, women uh, and black women in particular. And on the other hand, uh, they want to kill their babies. <laughs> I yeah. just, I, it, it's weird. It's just weird. They can't have it both ways, but they always want to have it both ways. Let's... Okay, but now I want you to hear uh, another... Uh, black commentator, in this case, the Reverend Al Sharpton, who, who, who is now so concerned about the black vote, seemingly swinging wildly, not a little bit, <laughs> wildly in favor of Trump. I, I, you know, I forget the source, but I'm hearing that it's like 20, more than 20 percent, which is way more than the 9 percent that a Republican needs to win uh, in, in an election. 
Okay, so that's not good uh, foreboding for uh, a good omen for the Democrat Party that they will win in 24. Okay, so you got to hear how upset Al Sharpton does. Now, he, he's looking sharp, <laughs> as it were, uh, and I guess he's on MSNBC here, and he's talking, you know, in a very dramatic way. But just listen to what he has to say. I, I guess I'll let his speaking say it all. Insult of saying that black voters would in some way be enticed to support him because he had a mugshot like all of us are criminals or to say that because he has four indictments, one of which, or really two of which, both Georgia and the federal around him trying to rob votings when we had to fight. Okay, so I'm going to stop this for a second. See, see how, they, how he turn this around, right? Yeah. yeah. The reason why they they love Trump is because, A, the economy sucks, for one thing. I mean, it's, it's pretty basic. Yeah. Secondly, uh, they feel like the Democrats are taking them for granted. Yeah. I think that's very fair. Um, and, and third, uh, Trump was pretty damn good for them when he was president in 2017 uh, through 21. Yeah. Uh, they, they, uh, black, a lot of blacks will say that. Uh, fourth, they don't like that the fact that the border crisis is happening and it's it's hurting the black community the most because right. it's it's taking away a lot of the jobs that otherwise might go to blacks. Right. Uh, then fifth, the the point of the mugshot and the indictments, no, it's not because they, you know, he's now a criminal like them. <laughs> That's your words, Al Sharpton. No. It's, it's about being ramrodded in the system. And you, Al Sharpton, I've heard you say that blacks get the short end of the stick yeah. a lot. And, you know, I'm not going to deny that. I, I can see that, okay? Uh, hence, a lot of reaction to what happened with uh, uh, Rodney King and, and, and George Floyd, uh, I, neither of which had really to do anything with race. But, but put it, putting that aside, the feeling was that it did have with race and that they were being unjustly uh, arrested or mistreated, or in this case, killed in George Floyd. Um, so that's the reason. It's about the lack of justice, the the lack of fairness. That's what they're resonating to. Yeah. It's not because, you know, they too are criminals, and we love being criminals, and he's one of us now. <laughs> you know, that's that's his. You see how they twist how they yeah. twist it. All right, let's continue on. People were bloody beaten and killed to get us the right to vote. And one person, one of his supporters got on Fox News saying, blacks love him because of the sneakers. So let me get this right. He didn't support George Floyd Justice and the Policing Act, Biden did, and signed an executive order. He didn't support the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. But we supposed to go for sneakers? Uh, okay, so... You really went on again. He, he, these are these are straw man arguments, yeah. but the idea of sneakers. Who who said one person says this? And first of all, I'm, I'm sure it was taken out of context. But people like sneakers, and it, I'm sure the white people like sneakers too. He, at no point did, did Trump say this is for the black people. Sneakers, right? right? No, at no point. One one person jumps on this, and he doesn't even identify the person. By the way, doesn't identify the context, and and now you know he's tagged with that. Somehow. Yeah. So he, he runs with it. The civil rights point that he made, um, that they were fighting for the right to vote, and, and somehow Trump, one of his cases is about somehow precluding the rights to vote. Well, that's the whole point, is that we were actually wanted to get the votes uh, and to find the votes that may have not been counted. 
Right. That was the whole point. But of course, it's all straw manning here. Yeah. Uh, but it's you can look at it in his eyes. Obviously, you can't see it in this podcast, but he looks afraid. Yeah. Really afraid. Yeah, exactly. And the, the a couple points with that, like who was the party who was fighting for black people to vote? Who was the party fighting for black people not to be slaves? Don't. You never get that. And I have to say, like when Trump was elected, it was magical. Like all through like my life, 80s, 90s in L.A., 2000s, you would have black families say they can't get a job even at McDonald's because they don't speak Spanish. They can't get this lower like whatever like minimum wage job. The McDonald's around my corner that I went to way too much, there were times after Trump was elected, I'd never seen it before, it could be all black people working there. The Chipotle could have a majority of black people working there. And it was, I saw the employment, I, I saw back of the house, the cooks and kitchens, you never saw a black person. You'd see it in the South, in Ohio or something like that. You'd never see it in LA. I would actually see that on LA. And that is real. That was in their pocketbooks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I think people appreciate Trump because he really reduced black unemployment and uh, all the unemployment for that matter. Uh, and I, I think that's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's very hard to, to run uh, on Trump's record being a bad record. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, you, you don't hear that, it's really true. Yeah. right? You don't hear that from the Democrats. Yeah. You know, while Trump was president, uh, this many jobs were lost or this many, no. Nothing like that. They can't address the unemployment. And maybe they'll invent it eventually, but they can't say that foreign relations were bad. They can't say that there was a lot more wars during Trump's presidency because there weren't. Uh, you can't say that he somehow created a, a fickle situation, a more vulnerable situation in, in the Middle East, uh, whether it's the Hamas situation in Ukraine or Afghanistan. You can't, you can't say those things. So it's the dog that's not barking, right? Yeah. That's what's, that's what's going on. But well, yeah. the, the silence is, is deafening. Uh, and you can't say, of course, that the economy was bad. Right. I mean, and you can't say that he didn't keep to his promises. You can't say he didn't, you know, stop the, the, the massive flood of illegal immigrants at the border. You can't say those things. Right. And, and in addition, we now have, and I've said this before, we have the, a tale of two presidents. You know, now... In 2020, we didn't have Biden as president. Uh, we, we knew what, how bad he was going to be. I think he kind of went right into the, the kind of the, the badness that we expected out of him. But nevertheless, the American electorate, you know, thought they would, they would have a clean slate here. Um, and they didn't, they didn't have that uh, clean slate. Uh, instead, they got Biden, and now they're comparing. They've got almost four years of Biden, uh, and they're comparing it to the four years of Trump. And thank you. I now see you side by side. And, and you're going to be hard pressed to tell me that somehow Biden is better. Yeah. I, I just, sorry, no, no. And so and now they're seeing these things with uh, uh, all the attacks, the sanctuary cities, the, the, uh, the illegal immigrations, the, 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 the homelessness, the crime, uh, the disaster uh, of, of foreign relations, the wars. Uh, the unemployment situation, the high price of, of foods now, the grocery stores, it's now 11%. It's, it's the highest it's been since 1991, um, percentage-wise. Uh, people are really having a tough time. And they're seeing it. They're just seeing it. And it, it just smacks of... Uh, they, I think a lot of people just can't wait to vote for Trump. Yeah. And their attempt to, to demonize him, to marginalize him, to say, wow, he's a nutcase, now he's... 
the presumptive nominee and people are realizing this is a real choice. What they hoped was that they would somehow marginalize him so much that somebody else would step up to the plate, whether it's Nikki Haley or DeSantis or whatever, and they would say, wow, got rid of that nut job, Trump. But no, they got exactly the opposite. He's now more forceful than ever. People appreciate him more than ever. Yeah. This, the Hispanic vote is majority Trump now. Really? Majority. Oh, wow. Yeah, not by a lot, like 51. But, Still, and, yeah. but, but in the old days, it was 25% or so, and that, that was considered very good. Now it's a majority. Most Hispanics want to vote for Trump. The, 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 the demographic that is hardest for Trump, and you know, kind of understandably so, or I, I, sh- I should say uh, not unpredictably so, is, um, is the white single women. That, that demographic loves the liberal mindset. And maybe black women too, I, I don't know. Yeah. But white women in particular, they love, they, they, they love Biden, they love Democrats. They, there's a sense that, you know, women, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it. Women like the sense of compassion that they think that the Democrats are giving them. They like the sense that the Democrat Party is going to take care of them. Yeah. They, they like that. I, I, I understand that. It's, it's part of a, in a woman's DNA, right? Yeah. Uh, and men are more, tend to be more like, okay, you, you got to get things done on your own. It's, it's hard. I understand. I'm not saying that, you know, you know what? I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not apologizing for anything. Women or men are, are different, okay? A, a woman will look to a man for protection. Yeah. That's the, the basic instinct of a woman. She wants to see that he can protect her, provide for her, and uh, be a good dad. That, those, those are the three things that y- you have to expect in your man. And if you are a man, that's what you need to know that a woman is looking out for you. Yeah. It's, it's nice if you're decent looking. That's okay. But that's not at all her priority. Um, if, if there's anything physical about a man that she, she really wants is that he be tall. That, that they like. But in terms of is, if, if he's gorgeous, they don't care. Yeah. Just, as long as you're not hideous. What's the standard? Somebody said it to me. Like, a man will look at a woman and, and say, um, I need to be drawn to her. I need to feel this incredible, compelling force to, 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 to sleep with her yeah. to, to, in order to be with her. Uh, a woman will look at a man and say, can I stand the idea of having sex with him? <laughs> uh, real quick, like one of women's, and I've been told this, one of women's worst nightmares is if they have a man who takes longer in the bathroom to get ready than they do. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it's true. It's a nightmare. That's yeah. true. But so going back to women versus men, yeah. this is, I think, this is my theory. This, I, this is why single women like uh, the, the Democrats because they provide for them. They, they get married to the government. The government will give them what they need. And it's all good, right? Yeah. Uh, Health care, uh, university, uh, you know, nanny care, whatever it might be. Uh, men don't look for that. It's the, it's the first thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, a, a man worth his salt will say, I'm going to provide for my family. Thank you very much. So um, I, think, I think bad things are looming for the Democrats. Very, very bad things. Uh, so I want to take you now to uh, jo- Joe Biden talking to uh, your friend uh, Seth Myers. Oh, nice. Yeah, I don't know why you hang out with him, but it's it's you know, whatever. Yeah. It's it's a small world. Yeah. Uh, so 
he, he he's it's a long interview with Seth Meyers. It's clear that he is looking at a teleprompter while he's reading from the teleprompter away from Seth Meyers. There, are, you know, in his defense, there are a couple times where he turns away from the teleprompter, uh, and and so that he looks like you know it's it's not uh, you know totally scripted. But you could see for long stretches of time, he's just looking away from, like, if you ever watch Saturday Night Live, yeah. a lot of us do, you can see the actors are reading from a, a teleprompter. And you say, okay, that's fine because you only have so much time to prepare. We, we kind of forgive that, right? But you can't do that on, on late night when you want to look authentic and as if you're somehow just, you know, kind of making things, making things happen. It's, it's very spontaneous. It doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. It's not so, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, we know that a lot of it was scripted because there was one line where he said, you know, and what about this? And, and he pulls out some sunglasses right away and uh, to, to show how cool he is. It, it was not spontaneous. Anyway, uh, Seth Meyers asks him about what his agenda is for 2024. And his response is, well, let me tell you the, uh, my agenda for 2020. I, he just didn't know what year it was. Oh. Oh. Which is very sad, yeah. and and he just heard that it was twenty twenty four, right? It's yeah. a uh, anyway. You could you could say that's a slip up, but there are too many slip ups. Yeah. We we know that, uh, and and now as we speak, he just went to Walter Reed uh, uh, Hospital for getting a, his annual physical. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the report says, and my guess is that they're going to say he has some memory lapses. They're they're probably going to. He soft pedal it as much as possible, but he's going to have uh, a tough story. They, they thought the Robert Herr thing is a, is a problem, but when a doctor actually looks at you and actually asks the, the standard questions to determine whether you have a, a memory issue, look, I, I saw this with my dad. You know, they, you go to the doctor, you, you're, you're asked some basic, basic questions. What county do you live in? What city do you live in? What year is it? What month is it? When were you born? You know, how old are you? Those are the questions that seem pretty basic, but uh, people with dementia have a tough time getting around. There, there are many other questions. Then they'll ask them to repeat you know, four things, three or four things uh, in order. So, you know, goat, turtle, basketball, whatever, and then repeat them in the same order. So you have to remember them all and also in the, in the correct order. Mm. And if you can't do that, that's a bad sign. So Robert Herr, in his interview, with Biden, because he was asking, you know, about the background and possibly seeking impeachment uh, or criminal investigation on on what was it the the classified documents. Right. Um, you know, he he's not a doctor; he, he doesn't ask these questions. But he he said, "I'm not going to prosecute because I I think you'll come off looking as a as an elderly man, well well intentioned, but doesn't remember anything." Yeah, and that was enough to really hurt him. But a, a doctor is going to have to ask these questions. Yeah. And at some point, I think the Democrat Party are, are going to encourage the doctor to, to, to be straight about it. They have to. Yeah. So uh, look what happens when he, when he talks. He's going to start talking now about Israel. He talks about a lot, of, a lot of other things, Ukraine and such. But the first thing he says that he wants to pass uh, the border bill. And then he does this trick. Whenever he's you know, out of ideas <laughs> that, or forgets where he was, he starts saying... Well, I don't want to say anything more because I, I might regret it, right? To, and to suggest that he's holding back some <laughs> really choice words, right? So l listen, and he does the same thing. And, and the, the audience, which is mostly liberal, in fact, all liberal as far as I can tell, yeah. 
they, they want to help him out and they laugh, you know, like cheer him on. But he's done this a thousand times yeah. because to, to cover for his dementia. That's my theory. Here you go. Idea that he said the, the Congress wants to pass an overwhelmingly uh, a, a, a border provision that would allow us to control the border. First bill ever introduced call for that. And here they're saying he's saying, no, don't do that because that will help Biden. Help Biden. It's about not about Biden. It's about the United States of America. And look, it just. I don't want to get started. <laughs> And, and, and Seth Meyers now is just laughing hysterically. That is just so funny, Mr. President, because you, you're really holding back. You, you are really uh, comporting yourself. <laughs> you know, you're, the wild man inside you is, you're, you're exercising your free will to restrain yourself. I, we respect that, sir, <laughs> right? Anyway, let's continue on. He's gonna talk about uh, Hamas and Israel right now. Watch, watch his words, it's interesting. Some words are actually not so bad, but, but watch what he has to say. Yeah, I get it. I get Our democracy it. is at stake. It literally is. Yeah, he, he had to say that, by the way. He had to say that. Our democracy is at stake. Well, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. The border, how, I, I agree to some extent our democracy, democracy is at stake. He wants to suggest that it's because Trump might be, become president. Right. Uh, but I, I agree that because if you let all illegal aliens come in, yeah, our democracy is at stake. <laughs> And if Trump becomes president, he's probably going to prevent his leading opponent from getting on a primary ballot. Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's very <right>, true. <laughs> that's a very it. good point. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's continue on with the, uh, his interview. I want to ask about the situation right now in the Middle East. You have forcefully spoken about the horrible events of October 7th and how Hamas is continuing threat. So the, the, the horrible events, that's the new way of talking about it. That's like the thing that happened on 9-11. Yeah. Uh, no, the horrible events. No, no. The, the invasion of southern Israel, whereby innocent men, women, and, and babies were beheaded, raped, tortured, and burned alive, and in some cases sent into ovens yeah. uh, in their own homes. Okay? Uh, that, that's what happened. It's not the October 7th events, yeah. right? They, they wouldn't call the, the Gaza... Uh, war, the, the, you know, the incursion into Gaza as the Gaza events, right? They, they, they are very free of calling it the, the Gaza genocide, the, the slaughter of babies, okay? But when it comes to, uh, um, when it comes to what, what Israel suffered, no, there's no description. Then, then it's got to be as abstract as possible. God forbid you actually contextualize. God forbid you actually give description of what happened. Yeah. Anyway, continue on. The safety of the people live in Israel. You've been negotiating, trying to negotiate the release of the hostages. At the same time, you've said that the response in Gaza is too much and that the loss of an innocent life in Gaza is just as horrible as the loss of an innocent life in Israel. And yet there have been calls for an immediate ceasefire. You have not supported those calls. Again, you seem like an optimistic person. You believe maybe there's a future for a two-state solution. But from where I'm sitting, it does seem like there doesn't seem to be any appetite for that right now. Do you see what is... Because, again, we see this horrible, every day we see these horrible images out of Gaza. And is there a path forward? Is there a safe future for the people who live there? Okay, just a commentary about this. Uh, Seth Meyers just goes on and on telling him what his position is and describes everything that he can out of it. Uh, of course, asserting his own particular um, uh, spin on it. <clears throat> and, then, and then asks this 
question now, is there, a, is there a future? Which is an easy softball question. And uh, to his credit, he actually answers it, but he's looking at the teleprompter. There is a path forward with difficulty, but here's the path forward. Look, first of all, there are the hostages being held must be released. And if we've got a, at least a principle agreement, there'll be a ceasefire while that takes place. Ramadan's coming up, and there's been an agreement by the Israelis that they would not engage in activities during Ramadan as well in order to give us time to get all the hostages out. Uh, that's actually not true. Uh, they profess to, uh, Biden says that he's got some sort of agreement. The Israelis and Hamas are both saying, <laughs> we don't have an agreement, dude. <clears throat> right? Now, it may well be that there is a hostage, uh, you know, exchange uh, at some point in the near future. It may happen to be uh, during Ramadan. That's, that's certainly true, but it's not a plan. Right now, it's not a plan. But anyway, let's, let's go on. Did you want to add a point about this? Uh, no, it's just, he's yeah. sad. Yeah. He, he does look sad. Yeah. He looks disorganized. He looks very disoriented. I just, I, it's very weird. Uh, uh, you know what? I, I don't want to say anything more about this. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go, uh, I'm doing, I'm pulling a Joe Biden. That gives us time to begin to move in directions that a lot of Arab countries are prepared to move in. For example, Saudi Arabia is ready to recognize Israel. Jordan is, uh, Egypt. Uh, uh, Jordan has recognized Israel in 1994, sir. Egypt recognized Israel in 1978. Okay, so he's talking about it as if somehow it's the present. Yeah. Which, you know, no, nobody's really picking up on. Anyway, let's continue. Uh, there's six other states I've been working with, Qatar. And the bottom line is that I'm not, I think the only way Israel ultimately survives, and I make no bones about it, I get criticized for having said a long time ago, you need not be a Jew to be a Zionist. I'm a Zionist. Where there's no Israel, there's not a Jew in the world to be safe. Okay, so this is the one thing I agree with. So he throws that in, and he knows he'll, he'll, he'll get a lot of attaboys for that. I get that. But, he, but it's not really relevant to the topic. And now he's about to say that a two-state solution is the way to go and that the Israelis need to, to compromise in this department. No, I, I, you know that the Israelis now are almost uniformly against a two-state solution because they now see what a two-state solution would look like. Yeah. We, we would have October 7th every day of the year yeah. because then they would have complete autonomy in every way and we wouldn't have the ability to respond and uh, Israel would be attacked not just from the border but from, from wherever the, the, the new glorious uh, Palestine uh, country would be, which would be a lot bigger than just Gaza. So no thank you, but here you go. But here's the deal. They also have to make take advantage of an opportunity to have peace and security for Israelis and Palestinians who are being used as pawns by 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 Hamas. Okay, so this is what I told you that that he says that we should take the opportunity, Israelis. This is what opportunity? Oh, it, when they try to slaughter us, we should take the opportunity for to give you land. That's what he's saying, right? That that's what drives me nuts, right? No. The, <laughs> The only opportunity now is to destroy Hamas. Now we have a very good belli, uh, what is it called? Um, Casas cos, Belli, okay? Yeah. Uh, and then his comment just now, did I hear that correct? That the Hamas is somehow using the Israelis yeah. as pawns? I mean, I, I understand he's using the Palestinians as pawns, but riddle me that one. Can, can, you play, can anyone explain that to me? That, 
that the Hamas is using the Israelis as pawns? Why? But by, by goading them, by, by making the Israelis angry? Is that how you, you are giving into your anger, you silly Israelis? Don't you realize you're being manipulated by the Hamas, you silly Israelis? Is that what he's saying? But against whom is, the, is Hamas using the Israelis as pawns against America? Is Hamas using the Israelis as pawns against the, the so-called Palestinians? Like, against the, against the Russians. <laughs> against the Russians, that's what it Always is. Always with the Russians yeah. with this one. That Putin. All right. And so there's a process underway that I think if we get that, that temporary ceasefire, we're going to be able to move in a direction where we can change the dynamic and not have a two-state solution immediately, but a process to get to a two-state solution, a process to guarantee Israel's security and the independence of the Palestinians, but without them being able to, for example, invite in, uh, you know, another country to provide their defenses. There's ways to do this, and I don't have time to go into it now, but... Yeah, the reason why you don't have time to go into it now is because you have no idea. Yeah. Okay, there is no... If, if there are ways to do it, then it would have been done. Yeah. Okay, Hamas and the Palestinians, frankly, the vast majority of them, they want to see Israel dead. That's it. There's a re there's a reason why they they call it river to the sea. Yeah. They say it over and over again. They don't say the the latter uh, you know right hand quadrant of uh, Israel you know to to uh, I don't know to to Amman. They don't say that. No. It's river to the sea always. It's not it's nothing else. Yeah. These guys want to destroy Israel. And if you think for a second that they'll, they'll appreciate a two-state solution, they'll, they'll appreciate it for a couple of days. That's it. Not, not even a couple of months, a couple of days. Yeah. And they'll, you know, they'll be, okay, Israel has finally agreed to a two-state solution. Isn't this wonderful? And then very quickly, the terrorists will attack again. Yeah. Uh, come on. We're not that stupid. Israel's not that stupid. You would never, you would never say that to a neighbor who's, trying to attack you all the time and then say, okay, well, now we, we want to make sure that you're happy and you give them more land in the process so they can get even closer to you. That, that's, that's nuts, but that's the way he wants to do it. So, so look, we, we should have learned our lesson when we pulled out of southern Lebanon. Yeah. Uh, people forget about it. That was in 2000. We also pulled out of various areas of the West Bank. Then, then we pulled out of Gaza, of course. We know what happened with that. Right. All, all these all these efforts were to show the world, hey, look, we're doing this unilaterally. Aren't we aren't we great? I'm, I'm blaming Israel on this one. I mean, in terms of it, it's naivete to think that somehow they would appease the world, but the world that doesn't remember what happened last last Tuesday. Yeah. They don't remember anything. And you think they're going to remember that you pulled out of Gaza in 2005? Really? And that you gave them all, all the infrastructure that they could possibly want? And, and that in addition, you, you still provided them with electricity and food and, and gas. You think that the world will say, yeah, you know what? Come to think of it, Israel, you, you're awesome. You really think that. And, and it doesn't work that way. The, the more good you do, the more they hold you in contempt. How about that? That's exactly the way it is. Exactly. They're going to see it as weakness. And the people who most hate the idea of a two-state solution are the Palestininians. And the leaders, I, I, I think, was it Sadat or like the leaders know like, okay, I'll be assassinated if I try to do a two-state yeah. Like the leaders know they're no way are going to do it. So why push something that one side absolutely won't do? And the other side, why do they need to make concessions? Yeah. 
Well, and, and the person who understood this the most was Arafat. Yeah. And I think Mas yeah. uh, Masoud Abbas also, he's, he's the present president uh, who's been uh, serving seven, uh, the 17th year of his, uh, of, of his, his four-year term. Anyway, uh, th they know. And Israel offered everything the Arabs wanted, yeah. that the Palestinians wanted, claimed to want. They offered it all. Here you go, two-state solution. Five times. Five freaking times. Yeah. And each time... Arafat said no. That's it. I mean, they, they couldn't take yes for an answer. And the reason why he said no is because of exactly what you said, Devin, yeah. that, that he knew that he would be a dead man the next day. Yeah. So he had to be resistant to it. He had to, to, to hold Israel in contempt for doing that. In fact, as soon as they were offered that same land, in 2000, they had the, the second intifada, yeah. and which was much more violent than the first one. So th th there's no winning here. And, and this pretense that somehow will guarantee Israel's security. How? How are you, you, you going to do that? Yeah. Are you going to ask the Palestinians, pretty please, don't have any guns? <laughs> you know, just don't throw those missiles? We'd really appreciate that. How? Are you going to bring American soldiers into the region yeah. to guarantee it? What, what does that look like? Are, are you going to allow Israeli soldiers to occupy, quote unquote, this new Palestinian state so, they, so we can know for sure that these people will not attack. Yeah. There's, there's no way to guarantee it. That, I mean, the best you can do is to say, well, we'll make sure that uh, this, th this new country called Palestine is going to be uh, a democracy. And, and, and you'll make a complete turnabout in the whole government system of uh, this new Palestine country. That will be great. But that, that's until that glorious day happens, and it won't ever happen. Yeah. You can just bet your sweet, you know what? It's it's just it's going to be violence forever. So the only thing that will guarantee peace is if Israel doesn't allow these monsters to come in. Yeah. You know, just build a complete wall. You guys can do whatever you want on your side of the wall. You can kill each other, maim each other, rape each other, because that's what they do. Oh, yeah. uh, and we're done with you, okay? And we will just obliterate you if you do this again. That, that's all. They need to get that message really loud and clear. Israel's now very unified yeah. against uh, Hamas and to, to a lesser extent, but still a very close extent, uh, all the Palestinians. Yeah. It's, it's their mistake. Let's continue on because it's, it's interesting to hear more. And in the meantime, there are too many innocent people that are being killed and... Uh, Israel has slowed down the attacks in Rafah. They have to, and they've made a commitment to me, they're going to see to it that there's ability to evacuate significant portions of Rafah before they go and take out the remainder of Hamas. Well, okay, so this is a, it's a non-starter. Of course they want to evacuate the citizens of uh, Rafah. What Rafah is the lowest, uh, the most southern city of uh, Gaza, yeah. and it's right, it borders with Egypt. Uh, that's exactly what Israel wants to do. They want to evacuate the citizens, yeah. that the non-combatants, as it were. But guess who doesn't want to let them out? I mean, so in a way, he's playing both sides here, Biden. I mean, I, I don't blame him for, for doing it, trying to suggest that something that Israel wants is what would be is as if he's negotiating with Israel right. to allow this, as if Israel has been recalcitrant about allowing regular citizens to leave. They want it. Uh, anyway. Anyway, it might be a clever game on his part. 
but it, but it's a process. And look, Israel has had the overwhelming support of the vast majority of nations. If it keeps this up without this incredibly conservative government, they you know who he's talking about, yeah. <laughs> the Bibi Netanyahu government, right? So the vast majority of countries have not been supportive of Israel. Some democracies, yes, absolutely. Germany, um, you know, France to a lesser extent, England uh, and America uh, to a much less extent, uh, Canada. But a lot of countries are <laughs> against Israel. And, and the ones that are not actually true democracies are against Israel. Let's, let's face it. So Russia, of course, China. I mean, these, these are bad guy countries. Yeah. Uh, Brazil even is not in favor of, uh, of Israel. So, and then he's saying, well, it'll be worse. It'll, you know, they've, they've supported you all this time. No, Israel's used to being the, uh, the, the marginalized country. It is the Jew among nations, as they say. And now he's pretending as if somehow... This, and, and he says, you know, because of this incredibly conservative government, because, you know, conservative means that they're just hawkish and they're desiring to destroy everyone. And that's the way it works in Israel, I suppose. Right. Yeah. So I, weird. I mean, it, it, when when Golda Meir was the prime minister of Israel, she was no conservative. She was definitely a liberal. Uh, and Israel took very strong action against the Egyptians at the time. Uh, and actually had them surrounded. I mean, it, it, you know, nobody talked about that the poor children back then, and there were, you know, civilians dying there too, and there are plenty of civilians on the Israeli side who were dying. Uh, and, and somehow, you know, you wouldn't say this incredibly liberal government. So he, he has to throw this as, a, as an attack. Let's continue. Have. And Ben Gavir and others, most, I've known every major foreign policy leader in Israel since Golda Meir. They're going to lose support from around the world. And that's different from what is happening right now. How? Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we know we don't have support. We, we know. It. We, it, Israel knows damn well that it has to do this on its own. Yeah. Uh, and it's great to have America as an ally. It's true. It, it, America, for the time being, will, will stay loyal to Israel. Uh, despite disagreements from this Biden administration. I get that. But if it has to be America alone that supports Israel, so, so be it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many people, how many countries are against Israel. Israel still has to do the right thing. You, you don't just cave into the evil. Because it, 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 lost in all this, Devin, is the fact that October 7 happened. Yeah. They, they, they talk about it as, this, as if Israel is just walking in randomly, willy-nilly. I feel like destroying Gaza today. Yeah. That's, that's the way they talk about this. And it really pisses me off. Oh, it's just horrifying. And like they keep on – he keeps on using these arguments of an atheist. Uh, if he actually believed in God, which I don't think he does, it would be you do the right thing. Yeah. Israel was attacked when supposedly Ukraine was attacked. We still given weapons to Ukraine. Why? Like there was no sympathy for Russia. There was like, who is it? Um, Adam Kinzinger just like tweeted out 4,000, 400,000 Russians dead. Ha ha ha. It's like you just do the right thing. Yeah. And Israel supporting Israel is just the right thing. Yeah. Well, because she's a democracy, because she stands for the same values that we have. Yeah. Uh, and if you know anything about Israel, that you would support her too. But, you know, there's too many idiots out there. We, we, we're dealing with, you know, uh, 
L- what is it? Uh, transgender queers for Palestine? Really? <laughs> I mean, it's like it's, it's so stupid. That's I mean, fine, w- women for Palestine. I don't get that. It's it's there, there's. I always I always joke around. If you if you're if if you're gay in Palestine, or sorry, if you're gay in the Arab countries, yeah, there's no Palestine. The Palestinian territories. But if you're if you're gay in the Arab world, you're dead. Yeah. If you're a woman in the Arab countries. You're gonna wish you were dead. Yeah. Okay, it's not. It's not a great place to live. It just isn't. You have to walk on your tippy toes all the time. You got to hide who you are. Uh, God forbid you go go out with a man who is not your your brother, uh, your husband, or your father. God forbid, right? You, you will be, in some cases, stoned to death for doing so. Otherwise, just severely reprimanded. And it's not the, just the Arab countries. It's also the other Muslim countries like Iran. Yeah. It's it's. I, I, I don't know how a woman can, can say, you know, I, I'm siding with the Palestinians. You go to Israel and you're a woman, you will be in the highest levels of, of any profession you want. You don't want to be a stay-at-home mom, that's fine too. You want to be a, a, a Supreme Court justice, you got it. You want to be a, a rocket, you know, scientist of any kind, you got it. You want to be an astronaut, you got it. You want to go into combat, you, you got it. Yeah. Okay, it, 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 it's fantastic being a woman in the Israeli country uh, in Israel. And likewise, to be gay, you're, you're safe. You're totally safe. In fact, it's, it's considered the gay capital of the Middle East, uh, maybe even more so, maybe in all of Europe, yeah. although it's not technically a European country. But it is super gay friendly. It is super vegan friendly, uh, which is kind of cool for me because I, I like to go to vegan restaurants. But uh, it is, it's a great place. It's very tolerant in every way possible, but somehow these idiots, they're so brainwashed. And what, what disappoints me so much, Devin, is that we live in a time, this is the information age. Yeah. All it takes is just to scratch the surface of information, to ask one or two questions. Is, is Israel a democracy? Um, what is the ratio of uh, uh, Arabs to Israelis? What is... You know, how's life like for a woman there? How's life, life for, for a gay there? How's life for, for any minority of any kind yeah. there? Um, t- tell me about the apartheid, so-called apartheid in Israel. They will find that there is no such thing in the country. In the country, it's the most tolerant and probably better than America. Yeah. But it, they don't bother. I, I, I can almost understand if you lived in the 1700s and all you knew about Israel was what somebody told you. Uh, about Israel in your own mind, and you, you can envision it. There's no, there's no photography. There's no uh, recordings of any audio or visual of any kind. No, there are virtually no books to to travel from Israel. Uh, you can, then you can be excused for not knowing what the f you're talking about. Right. You can't do that today, and and I I call you out on it, my idiot anti-Israel friends. I call you out. What's your, what's your excuse? It's right there. I, I, when I go mountain biking, <laughs> I, when I explore a different area, I, I, you know what I do? I go to I go on YouTube, YouTube, and I check out the videos of these trails, see if it looks nice, yeah. right? That's pretty simple. Yeah. Or I'll go, you know, what are the best trails in such and such place? I'll get a huge, uh, you know, sourcing of information about that. That's great. But when it comes to Israel and deciding whether it's a good guy country or not, they, they just they. They don't look beyond anything. They just, they hear what they want to hear. Israel, uh, river to the sea, apartheid, genocide. 
good enough for me. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Bunch of morons. Yeah. All right. Uh, we, a couple of small uh, other kind of goings on. Uh, we had the, the Michigan primary and the, the South Carolina primary. So South Carolina, uh, your girlfriend, uh, Nikki Hill. I don't, why are you going out with her again? She's what? good to me. She's, she's good. okay. I mean, she's, she's kind of cute. I, yeah. I, I, I get that. Uh, but she is married. I mean, does, does her husband? I mean, okay. You, you have an understanding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Anyway, she, uh, she gets slaughtered in South Carolina, her own home country, uh, home country, home state. Yeah. Okay. And that's got to be embarrassing. And I have to say, you know, look, I, I predicted on this podcast a soft prediction, but not a super hard one, but still a prediction that she would bow out of the uh, race and uh, maybe endorse Trump, but at least bow out of the race uh, at least three weeks before the South Carolina primary, only because she would see enough polls to know that this is not going to look good. I was wrong. But I think my prediction was a reasonable one because you had to be an idiot not to do that. I mean, I, I would predict if somebody, you know, sees a, a cliff and you're driving, <laughs> then maybe you would stop before the cliff. I, that's a reasonable prediction. You, you wouldn't expect them to floor it, <laughs> to go over the cliff, yet that's what she did, yeah. right? Then you have um, Michigan. That just happened today. And was it today or yesterday? Yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and she gets slaughtered there even worse. I think it was like close to 80 versus 20, something like that. So th- that probably was no surprise. I don't think she's making a big deal out of it. But she's still staying in the race, yeah. which is, again, I think is idiotic. I mean, maybe she thinks that she's the understudy and that somehow she's the natural person to turn to if, God forbid, you know, Trump gets in, you know, convicted and goes to jail. Yeah. And now it's time for her, her glorious day as an understudy. Now she gets to, to come to, to be the, the main star in the play. Right. But that, that's what she thinks. What she doesn't realize is that del- the delegates that have voted for Trump love Trump. Yeah. And they ain't going to go for Nikki Haley. No. They, they'll go for anybody else. Right. They'll go for a dog catcher in Miami somewhere before they'll go for her. Yeah. All right? as long as he's Republican. <laughs> and there are plenty of Republicans out there. They'll go for DeSantis before they'll go for okay. Nikki Haley or, mm-hmm. or anybody else. Uh, so, but she's got this in her mind. I, never mind. I mean, she's, she's, she's irrelevant at this point. Uh, but it's funny to see her do this. Yeah, I think she's running not for president, for, for board member of either Raytheon or Lockheed Martin or BlackRock. That's what she's running for. Because most of the people vote for her are Democrats. That is, that is super interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she, she took it to the man. Yeah. And it, yes, she lost, but uh, she, she really made it difficult for him. Yeah. And she may have slowed him down just like, you know, all these ballot measures and, <laughs> and all these uh, indictments. She's part of the, you know, the train that slowed him down. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting uh, observation. I, I kind of like it. On the Democrat side, there was also a primary in Michigan. <laughs> and uh, your friend Joe Biden uh, won, of course, not surprisingly, but he, he was, I think, 80%. And the non-committed was 19%. <laughs> it was oh incredible. And there was a, you know, a small difference uh, for, the, um, for the other guy, I forget his name, some, some guy who's running against um, Biden. I forget his name right now. Yeah. doesn't matter. He, so... The, the people didn't commit. 
that's, and that was perhaps because of Talib, Congresswoman Talib, very pro-Palestinian. Uh, she's an idiot, of course, but she's Palestinian. I, I, I can understand that she's going to take that side, but so um, she's she's not a true believer, but she's she's a Palestinian. She wants to destroy Israel. That's what they do. Right. So she was raised in that environment. Anyway, so she feels that Biden has not done enough uh, in support of her Palestinian people, and therefore she encouraged everyone to vote non-committal. Right. And that's what happened. That was I, I think that was beyond her wildest dreams. Yeah. She, she didn't expect that it would be 100% by any stretch. But to get 19% of the people to say, I'm not going to commit, non-committal, wow. Yeah. What, what an accomplishment. Yeah. So that's an embarrassment uh, for Biden. Now, look, I, I think it's, I, I like seeing Biden lose, of course, but sadly for the wrong reasons here. Right. Uh, but this is the strange time that we live in. They, they are doing strange things. Ah, man, we have so many things to talk about. My, my book, uh, Keeping the Kids All Right, doing very well. Uh, you know, it's doing really well in all these Catholic countries, uh, in particular, like uh, the Philippines. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you know it? Uh, which I'm, I'm really thrilled uh, to see these book sales. It's, as an author, it's just, it, it just, I won't say it strokes your ego, although I, I guess it does to some extent, but you really do feel satisfied that you're reaching people. Uh, with a very important message. And that, this book, uh, you know, it was a labor of love. I, I really, really loved writing it. And uh, it, was, it was a tough message, but it was, a, it was a message that parents need to hear. You've got to keep your kids all right. You've got to focus on fighting them against the book agenda. And the only way to do that is to make sure that you laugh at it over and over again. That's it. That's the only way. So go get it wherever fine books are sold, which means Amazon. <laughs> All right, folks, Brock Lurie, thanks for listening today, and we'll talk with you next week.